good morning or whenever you're listening to this. It's morning for us, so um, we will see uh, how this how this goes. Um, so I'm Rebecca. I am Tim. And um, yeah, we are we are in the race on the clock to record this and beat um, any lovely children for running in. So. Pressure, <laughs> sleepiness, no caffeine, absolutely a recipe for success. <laughs> so it's it's all here. Um, so we thought we would start off with a little trivia question to get things warmed up this morning. Okay, we need something. Let's see yep. what we can do. Yep, so I'm, I'm up to bat you're, on you're, this one. You've got to answer this question, Rebecca. What, what are these clues describing? Okay. Starting... With number 10, this popular story has influenced popular culture, <laughs> lending <laughs> plot elements, allusions, and tropes to a wide variety of media. Was it popular? <laughs> mm, yes, I believe it was. was it, <laughs> if they could have slipped that word in a few more times, that would have really made I, my I day. So. I think so. Popular tropes. Would you like me to keep going or is that enough? Do you know what it is? <laughs> no. Okay, okay, okay. Just want to check and make sure. And this one's so easy. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I know. I was like, I was like trying to put the pressure up by saying it's so easy. I wanted you to, never mind. But I'm like, well, there could be like a billion stories that gave popular audience popular tropes in a popular way. <laughs> popular culture. With popular flowers. What? (laughs) Okay. We're awake. Oh, man. Okay. The next clue, number nine. The Greek historian Strabo recorded in the first century BC the tale of the Greco-Egyptian girl Rhodopis, which is considered the oldest known version of this story. Huh. Mm -hmm. So it's like a type of story. Hmm. You won't tell me. Okay. Number eight. It is one of the most recognized stories around the world. Okay. Oh, maybe it's a particular story. Okay, keep going. Number seven. Over 1,500 variations of the story exist. Over 15 people attended the meeting. (laughs) 1,501 people that variations of the story exist. That's right. Number six, Walt Disney produced the first animated version of this tale in 1922. Oh. Can you remember your Walt Disney timeline? Oh, man. Um, I guess I have a couple in my head, so let's keep going. Number five, Eileen Wood was the voice of the film's main character. How would this possibly help me? Okay, maybe if I knew any actors or actresses. Well, I do know some, but yeah, it's the, not my strong suit. It was a bit of a stretch, yeah. Number four. While most Disney films have ideas removed from the final product, this film's ideas were constantly <laughs> added? Wait, what? That's not a clue. I don't even understand what this means. Wait, okay, read this again. While most Disney films have ideas removed from the final product, this film's ideas were constantly added. So the final film on this one wasn't good because they had to add more, or the final film on others weren't aren't good because they have to remove the ideas. There there weren't enough ideas to make this story happen. So is what had, we're saying. Like the story as itself was not complicated enough, and so Disney had to really punch it up. Like I'm I'm super thinking Snow White. Like I 
And so I'm like, well, maybe they had to add the dwarves or something. But then I think Cinderella came later. But I'm like, I mean, there's a whole lot of cat and mouse scenes. So that could easily have been added. So, okay, I'm just going to lock in. You're locked in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number three, the best known versions were written by French author Charles Perrault in 1697. Number two, it is the 12th animated feature in the Disney animated oh no. features repertoire. I messed it up. And number one, the plot includes a young girl who is abused by her stepmother and stepsisters, who is still able to go to the ball and meet her prince with the help of a pumpkin, a half a dozen mice, and a fairy godmother. I chose the wrong one. Yes, you chose poorly. I chose Snow White. How did you? Well, because I said yes. So I had those two in my head for a while, like Snow White and Cinderella. And at first I was thinking Cinderella, but when it said the 1922, I really thought Cinderella came later. Wow, that's early. Yeah, it really is. And it makes sense because that movie seems super short, except for the the billion cat and mouse scenes that actually incur. Like, I feel like that's the bulk of the movie right so there's really not that much going on add. in that movie yeah in that story like they were like mm, we need some mouse mice <laughs> and doing some more hijinks with this cat that's right that's right <laughs> which honestly like disney really you know they found their groove there like i wonder if they realized when like back in 1922 it's like you know what we can make this work like this whole like animals that kind of talk and like do hijinks thing like whole movies could just be this well and it's like it's crazy because like kids i like i really like cinderella as a kid but as an adult i find it i find it boring like the parts with the cat and the mice but like the if it was like a 30 minute show i would be interested in it still but um at this point like i find that like kind of annoying like once we've got i mean like i love when they're making her dress and stuff the mice but it's oh, like when well, there's me too me when, <laughs> but when they're chasing and my kids are bored during it too so yeah, like they, they used to be bit. really scared of the cat they're still scared of the cat they still kind of shake with the cat but the otherwise cat is they're literally really bored. named lucifer right but otherwise they're pretty bored during this one but i it was a favorite growing up so i don't really understand that now seeing it um but for some reason, that was a favorite. Okay, but like, which one is more favorite—the Disney version or the one that you made us watch? That oh, the one I made us watch. I could watch that one. Clearly recorded times. from like public television in the eighties. Yes, the musical of Cinderella. I could watch that. Yeah, still you, to this you can go day. on Amazon. We'll put the link, and you can go on Amazon, and and uh, I think is it free or did we have to? Did we pay money for that? No, it's free. Oh, okay, yeah. and it is a time a time of your life. <laughs> it is. It is strange. <laughs> it is weird. You were you were mainly out for that one, but when you would come in, it was funny to watch your face. Like I think even the kids were confused what was going on. The special effects were so bad. It was weird. It is weird how they kind of disappear. But I really enjoy the songs and the, stuff. The the flying um, pumpkin coach is is really weird it just simon hated that one but andrew loved it so maybe if you have three-year-olds maybe it's really good for, for that that could be and, it. just if, a recommendation you know if you want and if you like musicals <laughs> that, that that's one to knock off the list okay but they actually have like a broadway musical of it right yes. is it broadway or off yeah off, yeah. i mean we saw the off broadway right right but the rogers and hammerstein isn't yeah that the... it's by rogers yeah, yeah, and hammerstein yeah. this right, whole right. this musical yeah, is we saw by it, them. we saw it in denver yeah and it, so is this one. Like yeah. this story is by Robert 
Beats and him. Yeah, yeah. The one, so the yeah. music is classic, but the the filming of it is bizarre. It is weird. Yes. No. No. I agree. It's like, real character. It's like, like not animation. even, but like even the best version of this is is still just kind of like, what is going on? This thing is trippy. Even um, when you were like in the in the actual play, I was enjoyable. At, yeah, seeing it at the at the Buell Theater. Yeah, it was very enjoyable, but it was still just like, whoa. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, yeah, it's something. It's mm-hmm. it's out there. It is. I really wish they had more, you know, cat and mouse. <laughs> well, that's what Simon said. So, I mean, he's like, when are the mice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're clearly the best part of this story. <laughs> oh, Disney. <laughs> I do love how, like, this... Um, this this card started off like with the generic Cinderella and then like halfway through like just focused in directly just on the Disney version. Oh yeah, that that oh yeah, that did happen. I forgot about that. That totally happened. Cuz at first I was thinking is this like some sort of folktale thing and then yeah, it just keeps Apparently it is based on the ancient Greek tale of Rodinia. <laughs> Why didn't they keep that name? I wonder. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> too bad okay there was also cinderfella was some sort of disney movie this at is some upsetting point. It, i don't i didn't ever watch this and i can't really? remember if it was from my childhood or if it was when i was older but i absolutely know i've heard this and so i need to look it up i'm like i absolutely know but i actually need to look it up to see if this exists but if it exists yeah. we will also put a link there i'm so sorry <laughs> so sorry to all of you right now oh, you're, you're about to know way more than you ever wanted to know speaking of odd male roles <laughs> oh good segue <laughs> we recently learned that um that males also wear rompers and um if you don't no, uh, yeah please please a romper um I, I i wasn't really aware that this term existed but yeah apparently it is shorts and a short sleeve shirt joined together by you know sewn out of one piece of one, just one piece of clothing. Yes. And so I, I first learned about it when when our child was nine months old and, mm. I, and I got a romper for him. Sure. Because um, <laughs> it seemed a little better than a onesie because it has little shorts on it. It's adorable. And yeah. then and then I knew that it existed for women and I like tried it on, but that I could not pull off. Oh, what store did you like. try this on at? Um, well, Charming Charlie's when it used to exist. Uh, it was okay. okay. It was a beautiful place. Um, mm, I'm, I'm happier now that it's gone, knowing that it, it tried to sell you a romper. Uh, yes, it did. And it didn't work. Um, it just didn't. But now, um, Did you have a friend with you shopping that time who no, told you? You just looked no, and you I knew. No, I just knew. Yeah. I just knew that I looked like a child <laughs> at that point. Like, I mean, but other people can wear it and it can look really good but, on them. But these men in, in this picture on the internet who are wearing rompers. No, that is a special sight. They, I could pull it off better than them. Let's say that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, it wouldn't take much. Yeah, they're, they're, they're wearing, yeah, brightly colored one-piece short and t-shirt outfits that button up the front. <laughs> Sorry. And so, I mean, I guess maybe if we were on the coast, we would see this more if no. we were in more of a trendy Everything place. about this is But wrong. I've never seen one live before. But um, I was terrified this. when I saw this. It's, it's clownish. It really is clownish. <laughs> it's like, 
like I feel like I started learning a little bit about like men's fashion and like this traditional sense of like yes. I don't know like 10 years ago or something you like, listen to like a podcast yeah, or watch a YouTube yeah, video yeah, about yeah. men's fashion exactly and and there was this whole thing was like oh okay like understanding like I I don't know like like you always tuck your shirt in if it has the the bottom of the hem of the shirt is curved or scalped you yes. never leave it untucked that's that's just not manly and you know focusing on the colors of your socks making sure your you know belt matches your your shoes to some extent different things like yes that. taking care of your shoes in the proper way mm-hmm. lots of little things it's like you know not necessarily rules but but guidelines for for how men's fashion is supposed to work and let me tell you there may be nothing worse than the idea of the romper because it's like the jumpsuit, but worse because it's completely impractical. Like even even a jumpsuit. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh goodness. A jumpsuit is where the you know the legs and the arms are still on it. And you're wearing it because it's easy to get in and out of to protect your clothing from paint and grease and stuff like that. But this is a jumpsuit where the legs and arms have been chopped off. So you know you're. <laughs> skin can be exposed to the sun and you know get your tan and just just party in in the in the on the beach or whatever i'm imagining this is a california thing this has to be a california thing. i think that that's what they said that maybe that you would see that in more of like a a cool hub like that where mm-hmm. it's less mountainy <laughs> No, I just imagining people in rompers like hiking or something with like their little hiking boots. Oh like... my word, hiking romper! Oh, <laughs> it's like made of like the the you know like kind of like the Gore-Tex material that kind oh of keeps God. rain off. You. But it's breathable, so so breathable. <laughs> like what a waste of perfectly good Gore-Tex. Like. <laughs> You would have one of those special made for your father's sake. You know what? If you find someone who's willing to do it, <laughs> no, just no. Absolutely not. No, I loved when you were into that um, podcast or YouTube channel. I can't even remember what it was, but it was kind of cool because I feel like you got rid of a lot of stuff and like you actually changed like your look. Like it felt like it was very like gentlemanly <laughs> mm. and yet i always like i always ignore some of the things they talked about like they always made fun of the idea of the you know the the polar fleece and the uh the mountain oh, they? yeah they kind of like what who are these people why are you wearing hiking clothes all the day but if you literally live on a mountain it's hard not to do that like in colorado i feel like i can get away with it it's like yes people do is they wear we wear fleece we we you know yes that is the colorado style is all hiking clothes all the time so we don't run into things but like i don't rompers. wear i don't wear pants that zip off into shorts anymore yes thank you Mm-hmm. That's I'm I'm super happy about some of these decisions that were made. <laughs> yeah. Although I did used to love like some of your like t-shirts and stuff were really funny. Like when you're in college, my favorite one oh, is you had yes. like a soccer dad t-shirt when you're in college. I was that guy. I was that guy that thought he was hilarious I wearing was these hilarious. ironic but like not ironic t-shirts from the Goodwill. I thought it was funny. <laughs> But um yes, but now it's it's a little different. I like I I'm not huge into like the the hiking outfit look and stuff. Like like it's it's okay. Like and I like it's fine. Like if you want to if you want to I'm I still hold it's on fine. to it. <laughs> Take my polar fleece out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like for me and stuff, I'm like, I wish I like I like the California like dresses and look. I don't know, just all that look kind of. I kind of tend to. I really like dresses, I guess. And so, but I feel awkward wearing dresses here. But yet at the same point, like. I've kind of stopped caring as well, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's fine. Like, I mean, people dress well here too, but I'm just saying, I feel like it's more like, it looks more suitable when you're walking on the mountain to be wearing hiking clothes, but I'll put some tennis shoes on with that dress. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Which makes me look awesome. Yes. We're really, we're really diving into the fashion choices here. <laughs> we really are. This is strange. This became a fashion podcast. <laughs> Yes, I think I think the titles is definitely enough to be rompers or, oh, or something like that. Oh, okay. Ma- male rompers specifically. I don't know. We'll we'll tweak oh. that. <laughs> this is upsetting more and more. <laughs> will we include a picture in the notes yes. for them, or will you we'll, blind their eyes with this? We will. We will put a picture in the notes. Yeah, it'll be great. You may have to. Yeah, visit know. visit terribleaudio.com and and feast your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, exactly um so yeah so how has um the last week been for you very Timothy? good I, I think it's gone really well um yeah finally kind of catching up getting some of my busyness put behind me um and as soon as i do that as soon as i feel like i can let off the gas a little bit my quality of life improves yeah and i immediately begin fearing and getting afraid of not having uh, new clients coming in that i was wondering if that would happen to you because he's trying quickly he's trying so hard to get rid of some clients and then fo- be able to focus on like a couple clients yeah. you know um, and so I wondered, though, if that felt weird as you let that go, because now I'm like, I'm watching you go for like a walk in the middle of the day right, and I'm I watching know. you breathe and yes. and you've kind of taken. Did we talk last time about the um, looking at the product um, amount cost versus like you're trying to like alter the cost of your your work oh yeah no no that's all i don't think we talked that's all new yeah i've been i've been reading some emails and listening to some podcasts of course about yeah pricing my work as a freelancer and this has been hard like i'm only you know a year or so into this but um i tried doing some fixed bid projects and they've been rough i've had some kind of bad luck with fixed bid projects and part of that is being a new freelancer like i don't have a lot of steady um you know income coming in to kind of coast off of and so taking a risk on some big uh you know big price tag projects that are going to take a while to pay out or trying to demand payment up front is something that i just wasn't comfortable with until recently but I really feel like it's time to, to I don't know, to switch around the pricing because the hourly pricing, while it does work, it also just kind of doesn't get me any further ahead. Like uh, I'm not making any big leaps or any big progress by doing just pay, pay me by the hour for my work. Right, right. And you were kind of looking at um, how like the quality of your work overall, like pricing it upon that instead of trying to get a zoned in like hour amount which is you know even if you do like a a 
project based you're still trying to do hourly and trying to make it work and yeah. stuff you know and so kind of trying to do that which would take a lot of pressure off of the amount of hours being spent each day and each week it would be it would be nice right that was the, something you were excited exactly about, right? you it look is like you're not excited well i'm still confused about it honestly like i still don't know how to make it work like it, it requires some faith to really make the jump and it's not even just about like pricing based on my quality it's sort of pricing based upon the need of the customer for it which makes sense like this seems like the most obvious like economic equation but it's like I can provide a service. So how do I explain my service and pitch my service in a way where the customer understands that they can get a certain amount of value out of it? And like let them do the equation. Find the right customer who needs my, you know, my expertise and who's willing to pay, you know, how many dollars as an investment up front in order to get this kind of improvement in their website, this kind of change in their in their performance, in their, you know, customer numbers and in, in, you know, things like that. And like that's scary. Yeah. Like it's so much better to just be like, you tell me what to do and I'll just you you know, just pay me this much for everything I do and you tell me and give me the work and, and help me, you know, decide yeah. what to work on next. Yeah. I mean, because we're like, we're like Iowans. So our background is kind of like more of a like... I want the relationship to with money to be very direct and straightforward and like transparent. Yes, exactly. And and it's it's difficult because it almost sounds like... I don't know if you go to this place, but it almost sounds like it's like pricing upon their need for it. It's like, oh no, like like we don't want to take advantage of them. But right now they're taking advantage of us. But it's like it's, like, it's easier to err on the side of being taken advantage right. of than like... Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the trying yeah. to get the right amount from them—that's difficult. Yeah, rather than being afraid and embarrassed of like what you know, whatever of 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 being shot down because they laugh at like, oh, I can't pay that—that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I have one of those customers who I've you know been talking to for months and months and months, and they were they were an early customer, so I gave them like a low ball estimate where I'm like, oh, I could just barely make this project happen on this estimate and was way off, like a multiple off. And so it's like, oh my word. Yeah. Did they laugh at you, you mean? No, but it's just like, I could tell it was like pulling teeth, getting them to commit to even this low amount. And I've told, it was, I never should have wasted my time with them. Yeah. Like not that hasn't been a fun project where like I've done interesting technical challenges, but that's every like project. That's just because the work I do is so interesting. Right. Right. And I feel like since you are interested in it, it's something that is also hard to like, because you don't hate it. Right. And it's like, like all of a sudden, like uh, there's a couple weeks where I'm nervous and I'm like, well, I don't have anything else coming up. I might as well take on this project. It'll be interesting. Yeah, whatever. I could probably break even at this estimate. And by the way, I'm terrible at estimating. I've always been terrible at estimating. (laughs) I've known this. My bosses have told me this. That that's always like your weakness. Like you always do it in half, like avoid it. But you're, you're, yeah, you're getting, but I feel like if there was like a, like, yeah, a big bigger picture then maybe that would help so that you wouldn't have to do that but I feel like I felt the same way like when I was doing um freelance for writing like that was also like I enjoyed the work but getting like doing the pricing and stuff Mm -hmm. was horrible because I feel like I would and I would purposely like I was like 
decent at hours amount because writing isn't as complicated mm-hmm. as like you know so but i would purposely put my hours less so that i wouldn't so it would like make sense like and they would stuff. they would feel like you were such a deal they would you know be gracious to you right but they're still angry it's like they almost that is the weird part like we i mean we've kind of talked to other freelancers about this or or i guess i should say i've talked to a freelancer about this but i know that you've got to have that that in your head too where they almost get meaner like the cheaper mm. they are like the more they want like like then if if it's a good client you know like that's a good point. Yeah, it does seem to happen that way. Yeah, I think um, I think the most interesting thing out of this stuff I've been reading was when they were talking about fixed bid projects. Um, they described the way that I've been doing the fixed bid projects, where it's like I kind of make an hourly estimate. I try to figure out if I've heard all of their details of what they want. And then I tell them, okay, if this is exactly what you want, then I can do it for this amount of money. If you have any changes or anything different, it's, you know, then it's going to be more and it's going to be off. And that is a mess because that puts then they're paying me based on their confidence that I'm a good estimator. Yes. Which they should not be paying me for that because I'm not great at estimating. And it puts you kind of at odds with them immediately because you're going in a like a back and oh, forth. Oh yeah, sort I'm of fighting squabble. I'm fighting to control scope and they're fighting to get their vision, you know, put down. So the best explanation I had for this, and this is helping me think like turn the key in my brain about all of this stuff. It's like, okay, so and I'll have to link to the um to the the email um newsletter website that I got all this from because it's really good um value based pricing anyway the 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 thing that made it make sense is insurance you pay someone you you pay for insurance to take away risk mm. and you pay a premium so that you don't have to worry about the risk. And so if you think about the service that you offer in that same sense, it's like, okay, if you pay me this amount of money, that sounds large. What you're actually getting is my commitment to accomplish your goals however much time it takes me. And you are paying a premium so that I can do that for you. Which is cool because I I feel like... And I feel like I, I hope that you can kind of find the right clients that will trust like what what you're saying, because you're trying to kind of go more into um, like a, a consulting ish role yeah. and stuff. But it's I think it's hard to get clients. It was with writing anyway, even to be like, this is this is what this is what you need or what would help you, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's hard to not it's hard to get out of their heads where they were in the past and like right. what they like they almost want what they've already had like slightly change it's like it's kind of hard to get them i don't know to trust that sort of that movement that an outsider that they're paying you for but it's hard to get them to go mm-hmm. with it and i think you're better at that than i am at convincing them but at the same point it's it's a difficult battle i think yeah yeah it is it really is and i 
there's there's a lot of like little things that I won't know how to do until I figure it out. But yeah, I want that. I want them to have that confidence in me that they're willing to just like just pay up front a big chunk of money in order for me to just take the time and do whatever it takes to solve their problem. Like I love solving people's problems. Like if I could just be operating off of that basis where I know that there's not this terrible crunch time and I have to log every hour, but it's like, no, I'm going to solve this problem for this customer, whatever it takes. And and I'll be fine. Yeah. You know, like, I, it, you know, barring any crazy unforeseen consequences, like I'll be fine. Yeah. And that sort of thing kind of excites you. And, you know, and, and I'm not being like self-deprecating with saying that you're better at that. It's just like, OK, Tim hates personality types, but oh, he yes. does. He does generously sometimes do them as with watching Cinderella. It's my sometimes wife's love language. It's, it's like a com- musicals and personality types. <laughs> so, so he gives it sometimes. I think that's in one of the appendices yes, of the Gary Chapman it book. It is, because yeah. I think that's more accurate. I think you're right. <laughs> and so like on the Enneagram, like his personality type is literally called the influencer. Or maybe it was a different personality yeah, test. Yeah, maybe. Know. One of them. It's like literally the influencer. And so I feel like that, um, so that's not a self deprecating thing it's just what it is and so I think I think that would be very exciting if you did get into that role of just being able to um yeah to solve their problems Mm -hmm. and and be like you know an ex an expert in that area and be willing to to do that because it kind of drives you crazy when I mean you've done it a million times now like these sites and these client things and so it kind of drives you crazy when you know what path they're going down and it's not a good one and you care. So it's hard for you just to like, be like, okay, I'm going to type that out and send it. like, you actually care that they get the right solution. So when you're in a caring position, then it, the relationship that makes sense to Mm -hmm. change it because that's not the right client for you then. Right. And it's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. And it's just like, like as a developer, like this is a common thing too, where we say, oh, well, I could do that for myself, you know, for a small amount of time investment up front. So like, why are these people I know paying $300 a month for a service that just doesn't make any sense? And it's like, well, again, they're paying that for the ease, you know, peace of mind that they don't have to worry about it, that someone's just going to take care of everything. For the insurance. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, really fascinating stuff. No, that was a good conversation. So I'm glad we dove into that. Yeah. I think, you know, another thing that we'd want to talk about was wild things. It's been a little bit since we've um, talked about that. We have been slowly chipping away at it slower than I thought. Like we're, we're, you know, just over the halfway mark. <laughs> so it's, it's another one that's, that's, uh, okay, taken well, us I was talking about this last night. Like, what is the deal with these Christian or nonfiction books that you buy in the, you know, like current releases? Like, there has got to be this just like industry-wide minimum word count for this type of nonfiction book. Right? Because they are way too long. Like most of them are just so long. They could they could chop out tons of it. Like I'm like it we're has not to stupid. Be. Please do not repeat yourself. Like like I know that it, you're supposed to say things a certain amount of times for people to get it, but I'm like if you're paying attention while you're reading the book, it does not need to be repeated. It could be a lot shorter. <laughs> you highlight it and you repeat it yourself. Like I, I think they really just wanted to justify the $20 price tag for retail. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But there's, you know, there's only 
3,000 pages or 3,000 words worth of ideas in here. (laughs) And so we get it. Sid, your boy's outside. (laughs) And there's specific tactical things for each age group. That's fine. But again, like that's a few pages worth of stuff. And so like we were saying how good one of our old, old podcasts when we were in Kathmandu, we were reading um, you, you and me forever, forever by Francis Chan. And that was a, great book like as far as and i think these books you can get the pdf for free online actually i think that that was their thing they wanted to give it oh yeah and the videos were free too so i feel like they weren't controlled by any sort of publisher but that was the way to go because that was like each chapter was very unique and very like and i have to say anytime i've read i've read like two or three francis chan books they've always been very short and to the point and very enlightening yes so it's like somehow he makes a deal tiny yeah yeah, he makes a deal with his publishers or whatever that he just, you know, publishes exactly the length that he wants it to be. Which is perfect because a book like Love and Respect, a thousand words, he could say exactly what he wanted to say. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Cut out every quote from people that love you <laughs> in person. <laughs> and you've got a thousand words. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Sorry. As you could tell, that's not my favorite book. There's some good things in it, but. Okay. Anyway, so yes, but this one, there is a lot of very good, it's it's the only parenting book that we've made it this far. We did read a, like a toddler love and logic book, but it's the only parent bu- book that we've really dove into this much. So yeah. we like it, but there's repetition. So be prepared for that if you read it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this week, so we um, went through, um, sorry, I have to gather my thoughts. Yeah, well, yeah, so it's, um, we haven't talked about it for a while, so there's actually some stuff to kind of catch up on. I feel like it has really drilled into my head, though, the importance of the hands-on, like, learning and stuff for the boys, Mm. and so instead of just, like, doing the school sheets, which they already hate, like, tracing, well, one of them hates, the other one loves tracing letters, Yeah, but, um the older one hates it and so i'm you know i'm like getting out the alphabet math that we have so that they can be on that oh or, that's right that was a brilliant move that day you went and dug out those foam letters that lay out on the floor like puzzle pieces yes and you had them identify each letter in the alphabet both of them and lay them out where they're supposed to be and i have this toy that has like the abcs on it and so we did that and we did more songs and stuff this week that has like the numbers like they love this old song that I used to sing in Sunday school that does counting backwards from 10 to 1. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a great way to teach numbers. Right. And I've always been a little like dubious of the whole like learning styles thing where it's like, oh, certain people's brains are just better at learning visually or audio or whatever. And it's like, okay, maybe. I, I don't know. Like, but like really like you mixing it up like this and focusing on these other things has made so much sense and it has just really clicked with them and I've just seen it like change the way they they've learned. So and it made me know with our oldest son that he actually recognizes all of his letters because I knew he, he's known his alphabet forever, but mm-hmm. I, but I didn't know if he like recognized the letters or it was just memorized, but then seeing the foam letters and having him go fetch the next oh, totally. one then i'm like oh he's there like at now, least i could tell yeah. where he was at because since it's uh, it's hidden very much usually what he knows and so it was a good way to like 
interact with him that wasn't like, do you know this? Do you know it? <laughs> he's, and he's so like, he fights us and is so stubborn about like certain things where he's just like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to make a joke about it instead of answering your question. Yes. He's so stubborn. Right. And so like, you never quite know, like how much does he really know? And like, then he'll let something slip. And you're like, you do know every number until <laughs> to 20 and you're just messing with me. <laughs> And so, like, so he has all the pieces in place to like start on phonics now. And so we were doing hop on pop the other day and he was learning the phonics. And I noticed that he was way letting you when I took over and you went back to work, it mm-hmm. didn't go as well. So he was definitely letting you do a lot more. Mm. So that's good to know for the back burner as yes, well, that, yes. that he didn't mind learning from you as much. So. Boy, there's some loud screaming and laughing coming from our living room. So if if that's her, just enjoy. Our gift to you is the musical laughter of children. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> um, I'm a little scared about what exactly they're doing out there. But that's okay. We'll find out later. We'll find that's out when a, we go out. That's a, that's that, a later morning that's problem. That's a problem for future Tim and Becca. <laughs> we don't care what they need. <laughs> um, yes. And so then, you know, and they talked a lot about um, like the natural consequences which is a big love and logic yes. thing but that was yes. also you know yep. their their thing as well is trying to i don't know like like with grades i thought this was an interesting mm. like we don't have kids old enough yet for this this issue but i thought it was a great tactic um do you want to yeah it's it? great for even just remembering my own experience with school was was pretty pretty bad like just just i hated it i didn't do my homework i got poor grades for large parts of it and um, yeah, but it's like, I, I don't know, there was a couple of elements that really I liked about what they were saying, like letting the grades affect their short term um, desires, like on Thursday night, especially now that you can log in and see grades online at most schools, like going in Thursday night and checking their grades for the week and, and based on how they did, like um affecting you know having that affect what they're allowed to do on the weekend and so it's like it's an immediate thing it's like we go in thursday night we check and see like how did you do this week did you have any quizzes did you get below a c on anything or you know whatever the standard is that you set up for your kids and you know if not you don't get to go play with any friends on the weekend you don't get to you know go have ice cream or whatever like i don't know like you come up with things that 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 affect them but then it's over and they were saying like if you take things away for like three or four weeks because they were you know they, you, you set a really big consequence so that it really like scares them like you can overblow it and then they just won't pay any attention they'll they'll forget about it and the consequence won't even matter they'll just give up if you make the consequence yeah, too huge it'll be too like depressing and like which i kind of remember that feeling like some of the consequences being so depressing that i just wanted to give up and I, yeah, that makes sense. And I, you know, I was grateful for that kind of suggestion because I was thinking, how would you let natural consequences play out with, with grades? Like you just let them flunk out and like not go to school and gra- or college if they want to or graduate. <laughs> like what's the natural consequence there? So I feel like doing a, a once a week thing made more sense then because I, that I didn't understand like what you do. Yeah. And and that was good too. It was a good reminder. It's like, okay, you can chill out 
and let them fail during elementary and middle school because it doesn't matter. No college is ever going to go back and look at elementary or middle school grades. Like it is a sandbox environment where they can fail and learn. Like it will have consequences. Like if they do really bad and they get really far behind, but if, if the problem is just discipline and paying attention and following through with homework and learning to study like it's the perfect time to let them fail like don't get all uptight about the particular letter grades that they're getting thinking it's going to ruin their future for elementary middle school well and then it was interesting because the flip side of that they were saying that they they pray that like for a perfectionist or achiever for them to fail because I remember in fifth grade getting a B and mm-hmm. I said to myself, like, I will never get a B again. Mm-hmm. And so like from that point on, like I made sure that I only got A's. And so they were saying as parents to pray for your kids to fail. Like if you're like that yeah. kind of achiever so that they're not like, uh, they grow the character that comes from that experience. Did right. you grow character from that experience or was it bad character? No, because I took an inner vow to never get a B again. And so then when I got out of school is when I failed because I was just like, what do I do? Because I knew how to get A's every time. I knew how to get perfect scores. Like that's what but that I was knew such how to a do. narrowly focused uh, skill that it just wasn't generally applicable to life. Right. And I didn't go out for sports, which I would have failed mm. in badly. And so I knew how to do that specific thing well. And so when I got out into being out, out of college and in being an adult, like, and I could, I could achieve well when I had a job and stuff, I yeah. guess too, like, but I burn out within a couple of years right. and, um, you know, cause I'd be like working like a crazy person. Yeah. It's so that I was like, then what? So I didn't fail like big like that. Like the price tag was bigger. And so I think it would have been useful to have me go into something that was like I wasn't doing well at and that is interesting because like I remember you know just the sense that what I'm going through right now is the most important thing in my life and like some of that's probably just being a a kid and not getting that bigger perspective about what's coming up in life but I don't remember anyone ever really dissuading me from that you know perspective it's like like I need to learn bigger life skills and more important things. And it's like school is just is just a small part of getting to that, being that person. And I was so insulted when we first met because that was the attitude you gave. Like you couldn't give a rip about it. And yes. I was like, that's my world. Like that's the only thing that I have. That's that right. Because really you were at. like, you were still thinking like, okay, I'm going to get my master's degree. And then and I'll be I'm going to become a professor. I'm going to stay in the education system and be... You know, it's steeped in this world as long as I can because it makes sense to me. It's where I perform. But God steered me different. And sometimes I still miss it because (laughs) I miss it because of that feeling of feeling good about myself. Like that is so valuable. And to be missing that, I'm so sorry. Like that is deeply uh, hurtful to not have that outlet for success. Yes. And, you know, but, but this book talked about, you know, going towards their interests, but also forcing them to do things outside of their interests. And mm. I do think that's important because especially things outside picture. of their interests that are service oriented. And I yes. love that. And it's going to be great when the boys like when we can do those things, I, I'm looking forward to those opportunities. Yes. And it was like, your job as a parent is to make them dislike you at times. Like they might hate you for the like, service, drive stuff. them out of their comfort zone and grow their hearts. 
And so that's hard because I'm like, oh my goodness, I already am like broken when they dislike me. Oh. And so to actually have them dislike me for more than moments, like sounds pretty rough, but that's, it's good. I mean, I knew that, but it was good to have that said, like your job is this. The other thing that I thought was really important from the book is it talked about male depression a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And it was saying how, um, you know, like boys are encouraged to not cry or, you know, to be kind of have a narrow range of emotion, which leads to depression. Because right. if your emotion is a straight line, you're going to get depressed, basically. Do you think it's because um, we don't wear enough rompers? Maybe. Okay. I think maybe that would really up the like the joy. Maybe it would maybe just give a little bit wearing, of joy to everything. <laughs> maybe if you wore one, you could really see if that would help that area. <laughs> um yes. Thank you for lighting that up. Um it was good timing. Um but but another thing that stuck out with the feeling part for me was that it was seeing how um how you should really look at what emotions you're uncomfortable with because it'll make your kids will be uncomfortable with the same emotions. Mm. And already I'm watching my kids be like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like if someone is crying, it's sad. And like, this is what I frantically say because when they're crying, like I'm like it's half telling myself so it's okay. It's hard to be intentional and to actually like use some, you know, technique to calm them down. That's, you know, a little more functional than just the like yelling at them and telling them it's okay and to stop crying, which is my natural <laughs> response. But yeah, it's like, you know, doing the breathing thing where you like try to like get them to breathe deeply and like calm themselves down that way. So valuable. Uh, hilariously, our, I, I do this more often for our four-year-old, but uh, like a couple of days ago, our three-year-old saw me get hurt. Uh, somehow I got hit by something, probably got hit by a stick or a bat or a rock or something like that. And I was kind of angry and he could see me getting angry. And he said, daddy, go like this. <gasps> daddy, do this with me. I was like, thank you, son. You know. And I was like, almost made me more angry at him that he was trying to like make me like breathe deeply. And then like, no, wait, actually, this is really good. I will do this with him. Yes. And, you know, they talk about naming emotions. And that was something that I had like an early um, childhood specialist coming into our home for a while for some developmental yeah. delays. And that was something that they were always talking about being like, I think you look sad right now. Or like, I think you look angry. Like even when they're like a baby, you tell them this so that they can identify their emotions, you know. But um, but I so this is something that I do. So I'll be like, I think you look sad. But then it, I'm still feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. So like, I still do that instead of just letting it set. 30 some years of programming of how do you deal with your anxiety and your emotions. Like. And, and so my anxiety when emotions are strong is so strong that they pick up on that that insane Someone anxiety. is feeling something and I can't be around <laughs> And <it>. I'm anxious. <laughs> and so I feel like that that's good. And, you know, we also have been talking to someone about um you know like with worry and stuff like with verbally fighting it off and doing modeling but i'm like oh i feel ridiculous being like i'm worried right now i'm gonna tell the worry to stop <laughs> or like fighting mm -hmm. it you know so it's really hard to model these things or these deep breathing because as an adult you feel ridiculous like doing it 
But if I direct my kids to do it, that doesn't work with either of them. And so maybe it would with other kids, but it doesn't with them. So apparently I have to do these things that are super embarrassing for me, even just in front of my family. Yes, yes you do. That is part of being a parent is, is destroying your own little walls and learning to um, give all of that fear and anxiety away to make them better people. And maybe it's throwing a romper on to show up that you two can, can just yeah. be free. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, it's just joyful. Model joy and a freedom. Pastel, a vision in pastel. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why would you say that? Because <laughs> I'm trying to make you uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> like I just felt. I'm trying to make you feel it the works. way that I felt. Well, if we're both uncomfortable, maybe we should change the subject. Okay. I have one thing I wanted to ask you about. Yes. Uh, this is episode 50 of <gasps> our podcast. Wait, what? Yes. I thought that that wasn't for a couple more episodes. Well, that's because you thought that the important anniversary episode was episode 52. <laughs> so it's still locked in my brain. That this, yes. is, this is episode 50? Yes, what? exactly. And so if these last few minutes, I wanted to ask you like, what you've learned from this podcast. Like, What has the experience of podcasting done for you in your life? Man, it has made me be more honest. I'm a person that likes tends to swallow my opinions and stuff and so podcast is all about opinions and talking mm. about what you're you're actually thinking and all these things this makes and sense you're so, such a good listener and so having this like dedicated time of expressing yourself and putting your your thoughts and your opinions out there that's that's really i could see that being really unique yes and so it's it's carried through i feel like um there's been I've been, um, uh, you know, not not all the way, but with newer friendships, I've been better with it because because of this. Oh. Where the old ones, it's kind of hard to root out some of it, but um, the people pleasing. But the newer ones, I feel like it's been wrapping into it, like some of this just being able to say it. Because I feel like I'm less anxious if I'm just able to say it, which maybe I always feel like a jerk, like giving my opinions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I feel like an anxious mess if it's bottled up. I think the other thing that I've really taken away is maybe um, like just the just being able to talk with you like like this is it's fun to have to put out there. I don't know, like what I feel the most, you know, myself when we're just talking like this mm -hmm. and everything. And so it's fun to have that. It's like a little like a marriage date practically yeah. each time we get to do this because we're getting you know, to just talk and, and have fun together. And yeah. I think that that's really bonding. It's camaraderie to, to create something together. It's yes. fun. It's fun to have an outlet for creation and, and put something out there. Cause my writing, I've been so worried about putting it out there. It's fun to have something that I'm consistently putting out there, which is the podcast. Something yes. Creative. I get that. I get that. There's something for me about, um, the intentionalness of sitting down for an hour and, having these conversations like with so many things in life and in marriage intentionality and regular systems make a huge difference in how I feel and how things go and so like having a time that we know we're going to set aside even if we miss it half the time and have to do it later and make it up on a random Tuesday morning that's fine like it's still like we are going to focus on talking to each other about things that we're both interested in for an hour 
Yes. And you're right. I think like intentionality has been like our our buzzword of this oh, yes. this this season of our lives. Like it's yes. uh, it's had to be so intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think I think yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a very important um skill in life um to have. Yeah. And it is like just the podcasting itself is kind of an interesting and fun skill for me to feel like we're developing like the 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 technical part of it the editing speaking learning how to like have a, a little repertoire you know our repartee i don't know how you say it but the little back and forth that we have the volley of jokes and and all of this like i just i love it yes and i think that's something that when i'm editing it like i definitely hear like oh some weeks we could have been funnier or some weeks you know I talk too much or I have a lot of mannerisms or you know laughter and these things and I'm like maybe these should change and so I think that that's hard to I think that you're right that there's a skill set there but I don't know if I I don't know how much I've improved that particular skill set that's been like something that's been you know I've been thinking about but that was just a side. Um, so is that kind of what you've, you, you've learned during this time, like well, what you're talking about or, or I mean, think like what else have I learned? I think maybe one of the most valuable things I learned was in the vulnerability of sharing, especially back when we started this, it was really focused on us traveling and going to Kathmandu and putting our family and ourselves into a really challenging situation and being vulnerable about that each week and opening up about that to people I think was was the most valuable thing I've learned and gotten out of it is just that I can be I can be that person and that it's okay to talk about those feelings even if it's to just a half a dozen or a couple dozen random people who listen on the internet and it's like it's like making me more comfortable in my own voice and making me more comfortable in who I am the experiences I've had and what I'm interested in yeah very neat yeah that's awesome yeah I think um yeah even the very first one that we recorded like in the library um we uh yeah, we we that was when we shared that we were going to go to Kathmandu or we were like, thinking about we it. We had to talk about it because we couldn't talk about it to anyone. And we're like, I don't even know if we're going to release this, but we had to I have a conversation. I don't even know if we actually did, but that's what we talked about before we talked to anybody else. Yeah, in the world, we did it on a on a podcast. <laughs> it's a little bit therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's a little easier to say things behind a microphone, not looking at people directly. Like, it's easier to be yourself, I guess. I think that's true. I used to, like, write blog posts and things like that in order to process ideas. But now I can process them in this format, and it's, it's a bit easier. Yeah, and it's fun because I don't know a lot of the things. Like, sometimes we'll have topics that we're going to talk about, but I don't know a lot of the times what we're going to, what you're going to say Mm -hmm. or what you're going to talk about for sure. Like, today we didn't know what the other person was going to talk about at all. And so it's kind of fun to have that. Well, thank you for um, you listeners and for making it with us to the grand episode of 50 i thought you were going to say grand finale and i'm like wait 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 what we haven't talked about this <laughs> again i'm booting you off for this random search of finding a new co-host so. yes well if you want to be the <laughs> this co-host is <laughs> finale 
you go ahead and write to Becca directly because if I get the email, I'm going to delete it. <laughs> Just joking. All right. <laughs> Man, it's been great. And yeah, here's to 50 more episodes. And I wish I had a cup of coffee to, you know, to clink. cheers you. But, but I've, I've got nothing. I can't toast with anything. My mouth is dry. I need some <laughs> caffeine so badly, Rebecca. Please. <laughs> He's gripping the table in anguish. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, yeah. Thank you all for listening. And as always, you can find our show notes at terribleaudio.com. Um, and we will be back again in a week or two. Um, this is Tim signing off. And Rebecca. Oh, you too. You're still here. Yes, I am. Unless you've kicked me off. It's only a matter of time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's go feed and and clothe our children, shall we? (laughs) Okay.